Psalm chapter 1, let's read this, and we're going to pick up on this a little later in the message. Uh, we'll read it, and then I'll pray. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we thank you that it is there to equip us, to rebuke us, to challenge us, also to encourage us. And so, Father, we don't approach your word lightly. We actually approach it hungry to learn how we can follow Jesus better, how we can better be the light in the dark place that you've called us to be. And we thank you that we're not alone. We thank you that the Holy Spirit breathes through his word, that he speaks to us today. He makes the revelation of God's word come alive to us. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We pray that you would have your way in this moment. Would you speak through me today? But also, God, I pray that you would speak directly to every single person who is in this room today. We thank you for this in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Awesome. Hey, let's give a hand to Carl and all the worship team and the production team and our kids, guys. And let's in advance thank those who prepared the food for us as well. We really love them and appreciate them. Hey, well, uh, if you've not been with us for the last few weeks, uh, you have joined us on the last week of a series that we've called Vision Month. And what we've been doing is we've been taking the time to uh, really in detail, clearly articulate the heartbeat of our church. You know, uh, we are in the third year of a church plant. And uh, who knows that when you start something from nothing, it's nothing. And that really smacked me in the face on our first service where I know I came from a very uh, established, uh, strong, healthy church. And I realized how much of just what it is and how it operates is just, it's just this running thing that has an amazing culture, incredible uh, leaders and, and all of this sort of stuff. And what is most important, as well as all of those things, is actually that we know who we are and that we know that what we're about and that it's not just something that we flippantly kind of go, oh, this is what we're about. Get on board. It's no, this is what God's heartbeat is for this house. And here's what that is. But also here's what that means practically. And so we've been taking the time to outwork that. And to be honest, thank you for going with us on this journey. Um, I know we haven't really maybe opened this as much as what we normally would. And literally I'm preparing and I'm like, Jesus, come on, just like. But no, we need to take this time to clearly articulate who we are because everything that we want to do is going to be built upon uh, the vision that God has given us to lead this church. So in the first week, we communicated our vision. If you haven't heard, uh, please, uh, during this week, why don't you uh, check out our podcast. But our vision is this. What our, our big picture goal is that we would build a house focused, solely focused on making devoted disciples who follow Jesus wholeheartedly and are equipped to advance God's kingdom 
in their world. And I'm just going to keep going. Otherwise, I'm just going to preach part one all over again. Uh, Part two, uh, we explored the question, if our heart is to make devoted disciples, then we really need to know what a disciple is. Uh, Because otherwise, we're just going to say, this is what we want to do. But what even is a disciple? Uh, What does it look like? What does Jesus say a disciple is? You know, we can kind of hijack words and, and begin to actually shape it to mean something totally different. And so we literally went to God's word and said, what is a disciple? And we drew out from that and answered that question. And last week, uh, we talked about our mission, which is what we do in order to fulfill our vision um, and also our values. Uh, Because what we value dictates our behavior, what we do. So if you really love the WWE, then you're going to spend a lot of money to go there and get like real close seats. Even if it's raining, even if there's a threat of thunder, you value that, your behavior is going to dictate your next step. If you're kind of casual about it, and maybe just a casual viewer, maybe your friend has Foxtel or something like that, and you just kind of casually watch it, then if it's raining, you might not rock up to that. Do you hear what I'm saying? What we value dictates our behavior. And so it was really important that we (laughs) communicated um, that one. So uh, today for the final part of this series, um, we're going to actually be speaking about what our focus is for this year what our focus is, what, what's God saying for us this year. What does that mean? This is the one step into our vision, our overall vision, that God wants us to take this year. Uh, last year, God gave us a very clear word and direction, and we were faithful to that, and God did amazing things. But this year, God has a new thing that He wants to do in us, and it's not a thing that we go, cool, that was great. It's actually something on top of. It's the next step in the journey, and we're going to begin to articulate to that today um, as we go along. Uh, who knows that, as we said in, in part one, if the vision is God's, right? We don't want to say, hey, God, this is our vision. We actually want to say, God, what's your vision? We want heaven to earth, not earth to heaven. Then if it's God's vision, then he also has the path for us. He also knows the way, the direction in which we need to go in order to fulfill that vision. And so that's what we're exploring today. What what is God saying? And when is God saying we should do certain things in order to fulfill our overall vision? Are you with me here this morning? So that's what we're going to be exploring today. Um, Last year, God spoke to us that in 2023, it would be the year that we go deeper, that we would go into the deeper depths of our heart and our minds, that maybe we would explore Uh, the things that we've shoved into the closet and said, God, you can't touch that. You can't restore that. You can't heal that. No, no, everything else is G, but not that. Don't, Don't touch that. Don't explore that. But more than us, we actually also explore the depths of God, that we don't want a surface level walk or surface level understanding of God. Uh, Ephesians talks about the heights, the depths, the breadths of God, that there is so much more for us to know and explore if we want it, if we're hungry, if we want to go there. And if we want to be kingdom advancing people, then we need to have a deep walk with Jesus. And who knows that uh, last year had its moments as we went deeper. You know, when I shared this with my senior pastor, um, Pastor Joel, who released us to plant this church, I said, hey, God's told me 2023 is going to be about deeper. He's like, oh, 
look out. I was like, oh, I'm not all excited. Like, like, you know, like puppy dog eyes, like God's spoken. It's going to be amazing. He's like, yeah, we had our deeper year and it was the hardest year ever <laughs> as a church. And uh, he's like, mate, you're doing it year one. We did it like year six or seven. So good luck to you. <laughs> That's what God wants to do um, in and through you. Who knows that last year had its moments because as you go deeper, th- th- there's more there that maybe we're not aware of at surface level or above ground that when we actually cast our eyes below ground there's there's a lot underneath the surface surface and the way that we view God or even the way that we view ourselves but who knows that as we went deeper there were greater greater mountaintops because that valley was necessary in order for us to take that next step in our journey with Jesus and while there were maybe moments of emotional mental maybe even physical definitely spiritual like depths and and lows there were of course many amazing mountaintops and just looking around the room today you know as your pastor I have the privilege of journeying with you and I'm just think as I was preparing this message I was just thinking about individual people who really took this journey seriously last year and they are where they are today in their walk with God because they they, they took that seriously. And there were some things to talk about, some things to address. And, and I'm not just talking about sin, but I'm also talking about, do you love God? Or is He just a ticket to heaven for you? You know, this kind of sort of depth. And so last year was all about the internal and not necessarily the external. It was about building our life on the right foundation, uh, which is the rock, not the, shift, uh, the shifting sand. You've got to be careful when you say that word on a microphone. <laughs> not the shifting sands of, uh, of, of, of a bad foundation, as Jesus talks about uh, to, in conclusion to his Sermon on the Mount. And we also talked about leaving the comfortable shores of Christianity and embracing a deeper discipleship, that we would not be uh, you know, in control, that we would actually be swimming. You know, when you're at the beach... And you've still got your feet on the sand, even though there's a level to which you're not in control, you're still in control to a certain extent if you've got your feet on the sand and maybe the water is up to your neck. But when you get to the point where you can't stand anymore, you're at the mercies of the ocean. And that's why in Australia, we really emphasize people need to learn how to swim. But it's also the same in our Christian walk. That If we want to go into the depths of God, we need to learn what that looks like. And really, quite simply, it looks like saying, God, I trust that the current of your grace and mercy is good and I'm just going to let go and I'm going to float on my back and trust that you actually have me in your hands, that you have my best interest in heart. And to be honest, even though, you know, God spoke this to me and I declared it and I had a kind of picture of what I felt like that would look like, God totally blew me away in what he did in our hearts and lives last year. And the fruits of saying yes, the, the, the fruits of saying yes to the call to go deeper, it actually far exceeded my expectations. And uh, who knows that this is usually a sign that it was God's idea and not your idea. And so with all of that, um, this is why I'm so excited about this Sunday today, because we're going to just be declaring what Esther and I felt God speak to our hearts for this year. And I know we're going to go on this incredible journey together and when we look back, we're going to go, wow, God did that. It was an amazing thing, and uh, it's going to be awesome. So this is what we're going to do. So what is God saying to us this year? Have you, um, have you ever had God just speak to you in the most random, mundane, kind of boring moments of life? Show of hands. If you're just like, well, I was kind of not even ready for that, and like, <laughs> there was Jesus because, you know, like, of course, we want to posture ourselves in the Word and in prayer and, and in moments like this, you know, maybe an altar call moment, we're like, okay, I want to hear God. 
But who knows that God isn't limited to those moments. God can speak in whichever way that he wants to. He can speak through nature, the Bible talks about. He can speak through what we're doing. Who knows that sometimes you just have this moment where you're doing something and you're like, ah, and then God goes, that's a reflection of your heart. And you're like, ah, that is not fair, but it's completely true. Who's had that moment where God's just spoken to you in the most random mundane moments of life? I'm sure you have because that's the way he speaks. It's not just what Samuel says, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. You know, those moments, very important. But it's also just be ready in the everyday moments of life that God might and he will speak to you. Uh, Well, for me, it was the middle of last year. And on a night like any other, I was simply going through my evening routine and God spoke to me about 2024. And to be honest, this, this, this blessed me because as I journeyed into this, um, you know, being a lead pastor, being a senior pastor, one of my greatest worries was, will I hear God for where he wants to take us? And both times, it's just been dropped into my heart. It's not something I've had to strive for or work for. And, and, and I'm saying all of this to, to say that this for me is just such a hallmark of this is God. Because it just like dropped into my heart, dropped straight into my spirit. And I just knew straight away that this is what God was wanting to say to us this year. There wasn't anything special about this moment. I hadn't come off a 40-day fast. In fact, it probably maybe have only been a two-hour fast because dinner was only two hours before. But God just dropped this into my heart. And he showed me this picture. Have you, um, have you ever seen, you know, a time lapse of a seed? And, you know, like half the video is the soil. The other half is the surface you know like the guy that like grows like this and like a plant that does that and it's like in fast motion day one day two day three day four this was the picture that I saw God showed me this picture of this seed that was growing and the first part of it was this root system that began to grow and it went to great depths and there was nothing really happening on the surface and it was growing further and and the seed was kind of you could no longer see it anymore what was there in the beginning and now it was just this root system in the soil And it began to establish itself. But then a shoot actually started to come up out of the ground. And, you know, I knew that as God was showing me this soil and this root system, I knew in my heart that he was saying that was last year. That was 2023. That that was what the picture of what God was showing to us and saying to us. And then this thing began to spread out of the ground. And I felt God say, well done. I felt God say to us, well done. You, you answered the call. You said yes to go deeper. And immediately as God said, well done, he said, but here is the next step. And as that shoot was coming up out of the ground, I knew it represented this new season that God's wanting to take us into this year. He said, well done, because you were obedient and faithful to answer the call to go deeper. But then he said, now here is the next step. And as this shoot began to come out of the ground, it began to grow and it then only grew a little. And if we could just put up the first picture here, and this is kind of what I was seeing, and I searched for hours to try and find something that wasn't clip arty or anything like that. So bear with me if you're like cringing in this moment. I'm, I'm kind of not going to look at it or anything like that. The creative in me is a bit dying a little bit. But who knows, when you have a vivid picture, you just, you can't even like, I got no drawing skills or anything like that. I just, but this is, I want you to have a picture of what I was seeing and, and sensing. And the shoot began to grow out of the ground and, and it kind of literally stopped at that kind of level right there. And I felt God say to me that this year in 2024, in the middle of last year, he said, you're going to grow the next year. Growth is coming next year. 
and just keep being faithful to go deeper. Don't worry about growth. It's going to come. Don't worry about this or about that. It's, it's going to come. I'm going to cause it and make it to happen. And as this shoot stopped growing, I was like, hey, why is it? Why does it stop growing? Like, come on, man. It's like, isn't it meant to go? <laughs> like, isn't it meant to just explode? And when it stopped, all this scaffolding actually started to come and surround this plant. If we could go to the next slide, this is this is the cringe moment. But anyway, and um, you know, I put it behind and everything. It was like full-on Photoshop seals here this morning, family, at 10 p.m. last night. Um, and and I was like, God, like, what's all this scaffolding? And it was just all, you know, no one was doing it. It was just flying in and, and constructing itself. And then uh, if we go to the next picture, the scaffolding actually far exceeded the size of the plant. And it went way beyond, you know, what it practically really should. There was no more need for that scaffolding to really be that high in comparison to the shoot of what was growing in the ground. If you haven't, you know, kind of put two and two together already, that, that shoot represents us. And it also represents you, that as we've gone on this journey of deeper, that your roots have gone deep into the depths of God. And we've built this root system that's now ready to sprout. But this picture, this sprout represents our house, our, our church. And as this scaffolding began to construct itself, God began to explain to me that the purpose of the scaffolding is not to harm or constrict the, uh, the, the plant, the tree, our house, but it's there to protect and nurture, and guide, and strengthen, to enable the shoot to grow as high as it can grow. That this scaffolding, this support system, this structure is absolutely necessary in order for that shoot to go as high as it can go. What does this mean? This year, God dropped in my heart, is actually not about that growth, and even though that was amazing and and blessed my heart, the purpose of the picture was the scaffolding. The purpose of this year and what God wants to say and what God wants to speak to us is not necessarily about the sprout, the plant, but it's got everything to do with what surrounds it, what is protecting it, what is strengthening it, what is enabling it to, in the future, grow as high as it can grow. This year is about putting our focus and efforts on putting in the structures to nurture, guide, protect, and strengthen this house. This year... The phrase that then dropped on my heart is this, that we are building for the future. Last year was about deeper, but this year is about building for the future. Another way to uh, phrase that is putting the structure in place today to sustain tomorrow. This is what God wants us to do this year. This is the heartbeat of where God's wanting to take us. And honestly, as I was, I was processing this picture for quite a long while, and it wasn't until much later that I realized, hey, the soil was actually last year, that wow, this is, you know, as, this is actually just the next logical step in the journey of where God is wanting to take us and how He is wanting us to grow and evolve as a church. You know, we need to prepare for the future today. You know, sometimes we want the future now. We want this and we want that now, but who knows that most things that are good and most things that are of of high value take a long season of preparation in order to get there. You know, I know many of you this year are actually starting uni this year. 
Who knows that that's a long season of preparation in order to step into the thing that you want to step into in the coming years as you graduate with that degree. If you want to buy a house, it's a long season of storing, of preparing, of putting away. And like King David put away finance for a future generation and to empower his son Solomon to build the temple, that's what it's like for us this year. That it's a season of being King David preparing in order that the future will be ready to sustain what God sees that this house will be in the future. Because here's the thing, God has a big future for this house. More than what I could think or imagine, God has a massive plan and a massive future for this house. This church, this house, it may, you know, in 50 years time or whatever, it may change its name or, or, or whatever, I don't know, but this, this house is going to outlast me. It's got, sorry, but it's going to outlast all of us. This is beyond us. This is not just something that we need to focus and, and hope that it's a treasure that we will take to heaven. No, it's going to stay here. Of course, the treasure of people and souls and disciples is going to come with us. But we need to see beyond us, see beyond the here and now and begin to plan for the future because that's where God lives. God lives in the past. He, he lives in now, but he also knows the future. And so he's come from like stay with me this sounds a bit sci-fi but God is God's there in the future and he's saying to us now in order for the future that I see that you're going to be this is the step that you need to take this year don't worry about anything else but focus on building that scaffolding in order to build the house that I've called you to build you know um, here's the thing every tradie will tell you you can have the strongest most solid foundation which was all about last year which is so important Yet if the structure, what is above ground, isn't up to scratch, then the house or the building will fall. It doesn't matter how good your foundation is, if the foundation doesn't match the strength, if the structure doesn't match the uh, strength of the foundation, then the foundation was for nothing. There was no point to putting in the time and the effort to build, you know, for a building term, a nice slab. If the bricks, if the planks of wood, if the gyp rock are not up to scratch, that foundation has a purpose and has an important role. But if the materials that you use to build the structure, the walls, the ceiling, if they're not up to, scr uh, up to scratch, the foundation will probably be strong, but that structure will fall. And maybe you could probably build upon that foundation again. But just as important as it was to build a good foundation, it's important for us to build a good structure. It's important for us to build a structure of strength in order to take the next step that God has for us. Foundations are so important, but so is a healthy and strong structure. And so this year, God is transitioning us from going deeper to building for the future, to putting into place today what will sustain tomorrow. Another way to describe what God is wanting to do this year, both in our church and hear me, this is also for you as well on a personal level. You know, it's been actually so funny that once God showed me that picture in the middle of last year, probably in the, in the, the, uh, the last quarter of last year, you know, you, you, again, being the, having the privilege of being your pastor, many of you began to share, oh, this is what I feel like I'm going to be doing this year. And the amount of people that are doing things this year that is building for their future just began to blow my mind. There are literally like three or four people who are, who are going back to study this year. 
that they're doing something in order to build their future. There are those who are starting new things, starting new ventures, and it's actually got, it's not about the fruit this year, it's about building towards that. And I was just like, all right, there's another nugget, there's another nugget, there's another confirmation of what God's wanting to do in and through us. So while this is about our house and our church, this is also for you. God makes it personal as well as we go along this journey. Another way to describe it um, is this. Has anyone ever been to Geraldton before? Anyone ever, or maybe driven past Geraldton? You know, when I went for the first time, I was like, wow, this, this country is pretty dry. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, wow, there's a lot of sand up there. Uh, who, whoever has seen those weird trees as you go driving up to Geraldton? For me, uh, I was going with my dad to, on a fishing trip to Steep Point, which is kind of to the left of Shark Bay, the westernmost point of Australia. Steep cliff, about nine, ten meters drop, and hopefully you catch heaps of fish, and we caught nothing. We drove 10 hours, and we caught absolutely nothing. Anyway, um, halfway on the journey to Steep Point is this, you know, town that we probably all know called Gelton. And as you're kind of just arriving into Gelton, the scenery begins to change a little bit. If we could put the next picture up on the screen. And there's this weird phenomena called the leaning trees. Have you seen this before? And me, as a, I can't remember, maybe like 11, 12, 13-year-old, I was like, Dad, like, are we in Narnia? Like, is this like Lord of the Rings? Like, what the heck is going on here? And I began to ask my dad, like, what, what is this? Why, why, why are the trees shaped like this? And my dad began to explain to me that Geraldton is one of the windiest places on earth. Uh, that it, it, you know, they actually hold like competitions for kite surfing and all this sort of stuff in Geraldton because the wind is is so good. And but it's it's like a it's an it's an onshore wind. So pray for the people in Geraltonia. It's not a good time there. But what begins to happen is that the wind is so strong, along with the elements of that wind bringing in the salt from the ocean, that the trees begin to grow in the opposite direction towards the sea. And it actually tries to avoid what the wind is trying to place in it. It begins to actually destroy and a bit erode this, these trees. Uh, I, I went on the, I did all the homework for you. I went on the Geraldton Council website last night, the visitor center. And they're like, this is awesome. This is so great. It brings so many tourists and, you know, all the things. And people come visit us because of these trees. And who knows, it's a great tourist destination, but it's a terrible picture for a church. We don't want this, right? We don't want this to be the picture. That what we, oh, it was great for a few years. and then That church is not Disciple House anymore. It's a leaning church. It's, uh, it's a bit weird. Narnia, Lord of the Rings vibes. It's, it's kind of not what you want. And again, to kind of take this illustration that much a little bit deeper, I've got two plants here. And uh, if you can't see it, maybe just uh, you know, pick between people. Okay, people out the back. Plant number one here, a uh, little indoor plant. And uh, if, if you would like an indoor plant uh, after today's service, I have one to give away. One is for my wife and I've got one. You just, the first one down to the altar this morning <laughs> is going to receive. Um, and then we have this other. <laughs> he's in. He's ready. Um, but then we have this other plant here. And, you know, when you, when, you, when you see and hear a picture from God, it's like, man, how do I... This is so clear to me. How do I describe this to someone who's not had this impression on their heart before? And uh, I actually began to research, well, what actually supports trees? And I began to learn that there's this thing called a steak. And it's not the steak that you eat, unless you're a monkey, but it's the steak 
S-T-A-K-E. Now, for those of you who know me, that was big that I just spelled a word out loud. But anyway, um, it's, the, it's, it's what you would put in place in order to allow the plant to grow and sustain itself. As I researched steaks, I found out, I, I became hungry, but I also found out some interesting things. A steak helps a plant grow in the right direction. It enables it to go to the heights that it's actually been designed to go to. Who knows that some trees are really high and, and, and some aren't? Every seed has its DNA within it, has its potential within it. But that doesn't therefore mean it's definitely going to go about that way. It needs support structures in place in order for that thing to grow the way that it's meant to go. The other thing that I learned is it does this by providing strength and protection from harsh weather by holding it in place. We went to um, the beach uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, no, a year ago, because a half would be winter. Um, about a year ago. And uh, I, I left my house and there was a beautiful verge out there with nothing there. I could park a couple cars there. And as a pastor, you would know that that's crucially important, that you have the ability to park cars. And I came home from the beach and to my absolute horror, the council had decided to get on my land, not my land, the council's land, to get on my space and just put this ugly tree at the front of my house and there were two stakes that were supporting it and I literally was like, what is this? I didn't choose this. I was like, you could have put a gum tree or something like that there. My street is full of these amazing gum trees. I've got this, I've seen the I've seen other people have this exact tree. It's not really going places. It's, I, don't even, I haven't even bothered to research the name. I don't even care about it. I don't water it. The truck comes once a week and I'm like, see a good reading. It's like, I don't want this tree on my verge. But I noticed that there's these stakes there because this tree is very flimsy. It's very fragile. It needs the strength. And so, you know, last winter was pretty hectic. It's still there. I tell you right now, it would not be there unless those stakes were there. It needed that strength, it needed that protection, it needed that source of life to enable it. The other thing that I learned about stakes is that um, a stake should be strong, but not restrictive. It shouldn't uh, cause the plant to not be able to move. Because a plant actually in its, in its early stage needs the ability to move to actually disturb the soil in order that the water will actually reach those roots and continue to nourish that tree. And so, you know, I'll actually, I went on to the place that you would always go if you want to learn how to do gardening. I went to Bunnings, and I watched this amazing instructional video on how to put a stake in. And this lady was saying, you, you need to give it some wiggle room. And even when you, you know, for some stakes, you tie some rope to the tree. Don't do it too tight. You know, actually, the best thing to do is to actually use stockings because they're, they're flexible, but they're also strong. So save yourself 20 bucks from buying the branded stockings and just go to Coles and buy $2 stockings. Yeah, if you're going to plant a tree this week, bro, do that. Um, but it needs some movement. You, you don't want to restrict the natural ability of what that tree needs and wants to do. But lastly, this is the most interesting thing that I found. A stake supports... Not necessarily what is above ground, but its primary job is to actually support the root system. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting. Thank you, Jesus, for this <laughs> illustration. Because in the first year or two of a plant, even though it's sprouted, it's not mature. The root system, and of course, what is also above ground. And in some cases, a plant or a tree's weight for what is above ground is too much for the root system to actually bear. And even though that, that, that plant, that tree has done what it's naturally 
needed to do, sometimes what is above ground can weigh more than what the root system can actually handle and it will collapse. But what a stake does, and as you can clearly see right here, and I know this is an indoor plant, it's meant to be a grapevine, and I didn't have 30 bucks, all right? Like this, is, this was two bucks and I, and I grabbed it. But as you can see here, even though this is a shorter plant than this one that is just here, this is the one that looks the strongest because it's the one that has the stake. It's the one that's anchored. It's the one that has that support system and strength in place. And so I think this picture actually best sums up the heart of what God is wanting to say to us this year. God doesn't want this house or your walk to sprout up and then grow funny and be a leaning tree in Chelton. He wants you to go from glory to glory. He does. Now, this isn't about him a heart. This isn't about growing numerically. This is about our walk with Jesus, okay? What is our focus? Our focus is to grow disciples. Of course, if we grow disciples, the byproduct is that this house, the hope is that this house will grow, of course. But it's not our sole focus. Our sole focus is people and strong people growing to be everything that God has called them to be. Ultimately, a stake provides the support it needs in order to continue to grow well. A stake doesn't start the process. It enables it to continue to grow properly in the right direction. Now, you might be sitting here this morning and go, that's great. Nice phrase, Sam. Take it up with the Lord. Um, but what does that look like? What is building for the future? What does putting into place today that will sustain tomorrow look like? What does that actually practically look like? There are actually so many layers to this word that God was speaking to me about. There's actually not one or two things that this word means. And that, you know, a, a church is, is, is in, the, in the life of a church, there's many different things that go on in the life of a church. And God began to speak to me that literally every area of this church needs a stake this year. Every aspect, every area. Uh, but in order to kind of practically articulate that to you, I'm going to list a few things. But just before I say that, unlike last year, you know, last year was the year of deeper, and you would have heard about that a lot on Sunday. It was a very personal kind of walk and journey. Uh, to be completely honest, building for the future is going to be a whole lot more behind the scenes work than what it is that you're going to kind of hear on a Sunday morning. And you can understand what I, I mean by that. It's putting things into place, putting things into structure to enable this thing to go further than uh, go into what God has called um, it to be. But there will be times where this will actually be like, no, this is, this is a personal application to this word uh, for us this year. And so here are a few uh, practicals that we are committed to this year that we felt God say, this year is about building for the future and what does this look like? The first one is this, we are committed this year to good governance, to good governance. Now you're like, just this year, <laughs> we've, we've been committed to good governance all the way through. But as this word hit my heart, I felt God say, you need to ramp it up. It needs to go to the next level. We've not been negligent. We've not been unsafe. But who knows, and maybe you may, might work in corporate world or in safety and risk and all that sort of stuff. Who knows that don't wait until the thing happens to like fix something. You, you need to be preemptive. You need to put the structure into place today in order to protect and sustain that thing. And so we are going to continue to put into place good governance structures um, to enable this house to be everything that it's called to be. And if just really briefly, if I could actually just get Matt to stand and come up the front here, Luke as well, and Perez, if you could come down the front here as well. Can we give a hand to these guys? 
Come on, give them a real round of applause. So good. Um, and, and Sammy. Let's give a hand for Sammy. Look at him. He looks like a new man with that haircut. That was amazing. Um, these three amazing men here, um, they, they represent um, a, a, a picture of what our governance system um, looks like. These, these guys actively serve as a part of our board. And uh, for many of you, you might not know that actually Perez has just recently joined our board. And at our next AGM in April, it's going to be official. So we'll just cut this out of the podcast. No, it's all good. Uh, but these guys, Esther and I just know and feel that they've been, they've been brought to this house, not only for who they are, but also they have the gifts, skills, and talents in order to enable us to have those good governance practices and structures. There are also many external people um, that you may not uh, be aware of and uh, in the middle of the year we're going to be highlighting uh, who they are but these are people who are way uh, wiser than us they've been doing ministry a lot longer there's business owners and people who run um, you know organizations that are much larger and much further than who we are and what we do and we literally sit in this room and say how can we serve you the best and make sure that it's safe and make sure that it's sustainable and so can we give these guys a hand there's going to be some you know, pray for them because they're working and dealing with me. So pray for them. Uh, nah, jokes. Uh, the second thing that we are committing to this year as a church is putting into place good systems and procedures. Good systems and procedures. Who knows that, uh, you know, when you first have um, a baby, it's kind of a bit like touch and go. It's just like whatever <laughs> needs to happen. And it, is it, does it need nappy change? Does it need food? Does it need this? And it's kind of like just like, it's almost a bit of an emergency kind of response. Enabled. But who knows as the child grows, and I'm literally going on this journey now, my oldest is now almost three and a half, that you actually begin to put a structure and a system in place in order to sustain a good, healthy lifestyle and routine. And so this is also the transition that we're making in, in our church as well. Um, and it's so funny, as I was actually sharing this heart and idea um, with Matt, he was beginning to share to me, I feel like what God's saying to me about this word is that we need to stop thinking like a small church and we need to start thinking like a big church and start putting those things into place now so that when that does happen, again, it's not the numerical, it's about the people in the heart, that we're ready for that. And so we're going to be pra uh, practically outworking that this year. The third thing that we're committing to this year is raising leaders. Now, again, this is something that we've already been doing, but we're going to be really intentionally making sure that we have a good system and structure in place in order to do that. Um, Esther and I are not all things to this church. We are not the beginning. We're not the end. We do not carry every single spiritual gift that exists. And we are big believers in team ministry, not solo, not even couple ministry. We believe in team ministry. And so we are committed to this year to raising, continuing to raise an amazing pastoral and leadership team, again, in order to put the structures around and in place so that we can uh, do what God's called us to do. Um, you know, maybe you're aware, maybe you're not, but what uh, someone like myself as a pastor, what, you know, literally sometimes it's like you have the highest highs and the lowest lows as people share their journey, their heart and their life with you. And then it's the highest of highs, people getting saved, people taking the next step in the journey of discipleship. And Esther and I do not keep and hold everything in ourselves. Who knows that that will just lead to burnout and destruction. And we want to make sure we have the team around us in order to sustain not us, this house, you, 
I put that in place. The fourth thing that we're committing to this year is growing the team. Uh, we want to recruit more members to our team in order to build a load and, 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 and create a healthy, sustainable structure for all who serve on our team. And we've been talking that for the last few weeks now. You know what that is and what that means. The other thing that we're committed to this year, and you've been hearing and seeing already, is that we wanted to clarify the vision. Who knows that in order to go where God's called you to be, you need to kind of know what it is, who we are and what we're doing. And I don't need to kind of repeat this kind of point. You've already actually seen this heart being worked out in this series. The other thing, uh, and now we're kind of really launching into what we've already been doing this year in obedience to this word, is that we've launched our discipleship pathway. If disciples are what we want to do, then we need to enable a space and a place for us to actually grow those disciples that God has called us to. And so we launched Disciple Nights, and there are two um, aspects to that night. The first one is the All In, which we just had on Wednesday night. We had an amazing turnout come out to Disciple Nights. People come to pray um, and to seek God in extended time of worship and have a short teaching as well, specifically on discipleship. This week, we're shifting into the second flow and stream of that night, which is House Connects. And so what you're going to see as you go along this journey that the two nights are going to grow you in different ways. We don't just need one. We need both and in order to grow holistic disciples. And this is a structure that we've put in place in order to do what God's asked us to do. Um, And the final thing that I want to cover this morning is this. What does this personally mean for me, for you? And what we're committed to this year as well and I, and I hope that this would be your heart, is that we're committed to personally building for the future our life. That we're committed to building for the future our own walk with God. Who knows that we don't want to be a leaning tree <laughs> in our walk with God. That we need to put things in place and in the structure in our life in order for us to go where God's called us to be and, and do what He's asked us to do. And I know this morning I've mostly spoken about our church in in terms of the the organization, but you've got to know that there is definitely a personal application to this word this year. Like I said earlier, a stake provides the the support necessary in order to continue to grow well. And God said, well done to us for last year for doing that deeper work. And let's continue to do that. It's not something we graduate and we say, cool, we're done with that. It's something we're continuing to do. But now he says to us, now that we've done that, what are you going to put into place that is going to honor that strong foundation? What kind of structure are you going to put in your life, meaning your walk with God, so that it's actually going to honor that deep work that you did in your heart last year? What question makes this statement, building for the future, personal? It's this, what do you need to stake your life with? What do you need to put your what do you need to put into your life, into your walk with God, that would provide strength and stability for when storms, trials, seasons come in your life? It's not if, it's when. It's when. And you know, personally for me, this last month has been an emotional roller coaster. I've been journeying through a few personal things that are external to me, but very close to me. And it's been like there it is. There's the, that's the storm. And what is in my life, what is in my heart, and what is staked into my life is going to determine the course of how I journey through that. And so I said before, we're going to go back to someone. And this, this passage actually answers that question. How do you put a strong stake in your life in order to walk well with God? And if Carl could come up this morning, 
I'm just going to land this baby very soon, very quickly. We read Psalm 1 before. You'll notice that in this, in this psalm, there is a stake. There is a support structure. There is a support system in this passage. Can you see it? Maybe you might need to read it one more time. Uh, maybe we could put it up on the screen. Yeah, if we could put up the next one, that'd be awesome because that hint, hint, that's where it is. There is a stake. There is a support structure that is described that the blessed person, that the godly person relies on. The person is represented as the tree. That's you and I. But the stake is the streams of water that it is right next to. And the streams of water actually represent two things. Explicitly, it represents God's Word. God's Word is the stake that you need to not pull out and put in, pull out and put in. It's the thing that you need to put in and let it remain there and hold you tight and hold you firm. When the valley comes, when the storm comes, when the wind comes, this could be your walk with God or, or this could be your walk with God. And I, I know we all know which one that we want, but in able to do that, we can't just not be daily reliant on God's Word. It's, it's got to be that daily reliance. But more than the doing, it's actually the heart attitude that this passage represents. In the first couple of verses, it talks about those who delight in the law. Now, in the Old Testament, that meant the Torah. For us today, it means the canon of God's Word. It means God's Word, that we meditate and delight on God's Word. This psalm teaches us that the godly are strong trees who are staked to the source of life, which is Jesus and His Word. And so the first thing that you can do this year to stake your life in order to build your future is to not just read your Word, but begin to go on the journey of delighting in God's Word. Going beyond the practice and actually going to a heart attitude of a desire that I delight to listen and read and dive into His Word. Secondly, a second thing that this psalm doesn't explicitly describe, but it actually, if you go upon a deeper reading, it describes that we need to surround ourselves with godly people. Godly people is the other stake that is represented in this psalm. While the godly are compared to strong trees, the wicked are compared to a rootless plant that the wind easily blows away. And again, while the psalm doesn't explicitly state it, upon a deeper reading on diving into the psalm, you'll actually see that it teaches us to structure and surround ourselves not just in God's Word, but it also teaches us to build our life around good people. And so the second thing that you can do this year to stake, to put a stake in your life, to put something strong to protect and strengthen you is to surround yourself with good, godly people. The psalm encourages us to not walk, stand and sit with sinners, mockers. And you see there's actually this journey and what these words mean, walk means that there's the first of all, there's the walking alongside, that we're intrigued by that practice. We're intrigued and enticed by that sin. Then we take the next step of standing, that we actually stop and engage in that. And the third aspect is that we sit, meaning that we permanently reside in that space or in that place. We live in sin. 
So the psalm encourages us to not walk, stand and sit with people who are, one, wicked. What does wicked mean in this passage? It means that those who have been judged guilty in a court of law or who would be brought to trial. You know what? That's every single one of us, but for the grace of Jesus. He took the judgment of sin on our behalf. The second person that is described is a sinner. And while we use that term quite a lot, it means something very different in this passage. It means that those who live lives dominated and shaped by their inclinations, that they are actively practicing and engaging in things that aren't godly, but they're actually wicked. And the last one is the mocker. And the mocker is the step even further than that, that they actively seek through their mockery to express disdain for right living. So it's not just practicing in that space, it's actually expressing that I love this space and that I mock others for wanting to do otherwise. Now, who knows that those who are blind to Jesus are blind? And I don't mean to say that in in an offensive way. You don't know what you don't know. And it's until you encounter the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Jesus that you don't realize how rotten you are. And we still are, but for the grace of Jesus. But this passage describes to us that a godly, that a blessed, that a strong person stakes their life in delighting in God's Word, but also delighting in good company. And so to answer that question, how does this phrase, how does this focus that God's given us this year, how do I outwork that on an individual level? Can I encourage you this year, if you haven't already, practice delighting in God's Word. Let it not just be a practice that you do, but let it be a, a, a who you are, a belief of, I love God's Word. And I know I'm saying something that needs time to explain what that is. Um, of course, it'll probably be another message as we go along this year. But can I just give you a next step for tomorrow? Begin to ask God, God, help me fall in love with your Word. Let it not just be black and white paper. Let it not just be something I have to do. Change my heart. Renew my mind, as Romans talks about, that I would see this as something that is I love and I enjoy. Who knows that thing that at the end of a work day, you're like, man, I need to do that to just like space out to, you know, work's work. Now I need to live life. Can I challenge you? Maybe replace that thing with the Word of God. Because maybe you are delighting in something else and it's replacing the fact that you need to first delight in God's Word. But that needs to be the thing that sustains you, that gives you peace. For me, it's like, just flat out honest, it's the old video games, mate. It's like, oh, I just need to zone out. I'm going to need to go to another world. No, you need to go to another world and it's called heaven. We're created to engage with a whole other world. That's why we're like, man, I just need to escape. You need to escape with Jesus. You need to be in His presence. He, If He truly is the source of life, He knows exactly what you need at the end of a hard day of work. He knows exactly what you need as you've had an argument with your spouse. He, he knows exactly what you need. Don't do anything else. Get in the presence of God. And if you can't get into the presence of God, then maybe you need to surround yourself with good godly people who will not mock you for going to the presence of God, but will say, come on, get into the presence of God. Get into Him. Go for it. Stake your life on a good God and good people and you will build the structure that will enable you to put into practice today what you will draw from in tomorrow.